welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that they tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as Difficulty Class and Champions of Lore. And with me each week are two amazing people who are. I'm Erin M. Evans. I write fantasy novels and best known for the Brimstone Angel saga. It a me, B. Dave Walters. I just participate in projects to spend more time with Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah we uh we we we're, we're starting this one off a little bit differently uh we, we we most of the time i save listener questions for them but we say you know what we're gonna we're gonna do it at the beginning because why not it's our show we'll do what we want damn straight <laughs> okay, gotta keep it guessing damn straight this uh question comes from cameron cameron says hello guys uh it's <laughs> megan still a massive fan obviously Aww. well thank you uh uh it's considered bad to be uh too poetic or lyrical with your prose and fair enough it isn't shakespeare but how do you judge that line also do you have any favorite lyrics uh uh says what of mine uh just didn't drink enough to say uh you love me from evanescence mm. how do you how do you all do with lyrical oh, stuff man. that hits I'm... different because i know them all as you well know oh yeah um, that's right i forgot <laughs> I'm like, I know who wrote that and who they wrote it about. So I'm like, oh, I guess that's profound. Um, here's the thing. Style is style, of course, but I always come down to write like you talk. Uh, yeah. If you give it to someone else, have someone else read it out loud. Not you, because your brain will fill in what you meant, not what you wrote. Have someone else read it out loud. And does it sound ridiculous? It is. And if it doesn't, there you go. That's fair. That's fair. Kind of often, like, kind of related to that, like, if you can tell you're trying to sound really poetic, um, mm -hmm. it's gonna show. Like, 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 getting into that flow and and writing it as it's kind of coming to you can give you really lovely poetic uh, style or even just you know points as as a kind of emphasis. Um, but whenever you're really working at it, it gets, when I used to edit, we called it writerly, um, where you're sort of creating a metaphor, but the metaphor doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like a connection you've made. It feels like a connection you've forced, um, especially if you're reaching for not the natural words that sort of slide into this sentence, but like the, the fancier words, um, the big words. Of, well, and I worked like I worked Hark on a book and forsooth. <laughs> oh yeah, we can have a whole conversation about when when you use like fake archaic English. <laughs> people don't know how to do it. Um, the yeah the 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 thing about that I worked I worked in a book once and the line that stuck with me really hard was like this this guy is climbing out of a hole of a hole he gets mm -hmm. to the top and his 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 digits sang as they sank into the verdant grass and i'm like no they did not mm. no they did not because that's another thing is like that was fancy for the purpose of being fancy it didn't really convey um like i, I mean there's like like yay in there there's a happiness but it's a it's it's not visceral yeah and, and you so you've done something that's text on the page but it doesn't create an emotional reaction. And I think that's a big thing. It's, like, it's masturbatory. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because people think, ooh, Shakespearean fancy language. Shakespeare was gutter for the time. It was mm -hmm. like, yeah, no, he was the Stephen King of, um, 
of the like this is for mass market consumption yeah like it was not fancy proportionally yeah i i don't i try not to get like you know the the, the you know people throwing like getting flowery with your language like i don't i don't usually try to do that stuff too much um but also like you know the Cameron's talking about lyrics and stuff like that. Like I, I try at all costs to avoid trying to do any sort of rhyming or anything. Cause I know <laughs> I suck at it. There's <laughs> a fun fact. Uh, everybody knows I suck at it on the fly. <laughs> Cause having been made to do it twice now on Idol champions present. Thanks all champions it's players. Awful. However, it's incredible. <laughs> the entire show is worthwhile simply as a vehicle to make to watch Aaron's face as she attempts to rhyme in real time. What, it is just, what was great about the first time was we hadn't even known each other that long, but I was watching live and my wife was so guys were like, Aaron hates this. I can tell Aaron absolutely hates this. I just don't rhyme fast in my yeah. head. But Same. I actually, I mean, I kind of like it. But here's the thing. It's a different skill. Like writing a poem or a song into your fiction is a different skill than telling a good story. So like that needs its own kind of beta readers. Yeah. It needs its own kind of pass. Um, and if you don't have a lot of practice and passion for it, like it's going to show um yeah i wrote a very elaborate prophecy into the brimstone angels which is in the form of a pantoum which is a really complicated poem that goes like a b c d and then you take the whole line of b and that's what the fifth line is and then there's a new e um and then a c and then an f and it alternates like that until it wraps back around it's really neat it's a Whoa. really cool thing um and i did it for i chose that for a reason I don't think that's probably an amazing poem because people work very hard to become great poets. Yeah. Because that's another thing. If you're like, this is the best song in the universe. Here it is. Like, mm -hmm. if maybe don't tell me what it is because I bet it's not. Um, <laughs> unless you are a songwriter and you're really good at it and it's something you're really passionate about and you've worked on just as much. Also, just for a moment, let's pause here. Don't put actual song lyrics in your fiction mm. if you want to publish it because holy crap, the licensing fees, it will bankrupt you. It is a Jeez. lot of money to just use a yeah. couple lines from a song. You Remain legally distinct, yeah. Right? Like, people will go, oh, no, surely I can. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. Um, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you were just, like, pause right there, I was legit like, wait, we're doing a cut in the podcast, and I did something wrong. What have I done? <laughs> I just went through a mental inventory. I was it like, did, we have a, did I have a nip slip? Wait, who's <laughs> running? Not yet, but that night that, is young. That's true. That's the problem. You're like, excuse me. We're a half hour into we this, did. sir. We're not even seen a half any, hour. We're like yeah, not yeah. even 10 minutes in. Yeah, haven't seen any skin yet. That is that is true. But this is what happens when we all, uh, when we're having our wine during the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Tuesday night wine. Yeah, the, the I, I think if I ever did do anything lyrical or that needed a rhyme or anything like that, I would just give it my best for the uh, first draft and go, that is a third draft problem. <laughs> <laughs> You do have to do drafts of yeah. Of You're like mm, truck go vroom and <laughs> go boom. <laughs> Knowing me, it would probably be something dumb like that. <laughs> Actually, I'd be super lazy to go. And then they say the lyrics. <laughs> Bracket. Cool poem here. Yes. 
yeah um as as far as like favorite lyrics go i can't th th this is like I, and i know i i knew the question ahead of time and i didn't think of any my, my brain has just gone blank i'm like do i listen to music no, favorite like... lyrics or favorite lyrics that have appeared in the story i think just favorite lyrics i mean anything crazy like mail on a sunday i mean crazy <laughs> like getting mail on a sunday exactly that the joker's great. line from straight out of gotham is my favorite <laughs> song lyric ever beautiful beautiful but yeah, you're saying probably something by metallica probably yeah yeah i don't i don't, I don't know yeah i'm like i I don't know why this is suddenly hard because I do love lyrics, but I'm also occasionally fond of music that I don't brag about. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember there's a, a song popped in my head that has a lyric that I'm, that I really do like, but now I'm trying to remember how it goes and funny. It's, it's of course, well, because it's me, it's a song from a video game. <laughs> first of all, this is zone of safety, Aaron zone of safety. I will not mock you. And I will keep my face neutral, even if you say something awful. That's the first thing. Second thing, though, curveball. Curveball. For you all, in your experience of music, which I will say, for everything I've done, and I've written in a published and everything, never written a song. Except for your Freely song. Did you count that? I did collaborate oh! on a Freely song. <laughs> hey, never mind. I'm like, right, I have a published song too. credit. That's I don't true. know how much I... Uh, contributed to that <laughs> inspiration counts inspiration counts you know what there's a line in that song that actually came out of my books um which was we're all someone before we become ourselves yeah and I'm like, there we go I is that, that your favorite lyric no well okay yeah sure i'll say yeah. that because mm -hmm. it's cheating but take it. <laughs> that's one of those lines that like i wrote it and i was like yeah that feels good and then other people who've read the book have noticed it and called it out as like a really good line. And that feels nice because there's times I write stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm a badass. And nobody ever. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, that was fine. <laughs> the, the truck do go room. <laughs> the truck do go room. Right? I, I, I found the line. So, yeah, the, the, this is from a song from the dragon age games but i just really liked it it was i am the one who can recount what we've lost and i i just always liked that one i thought i thought it, i thought it was fun well not fun but like interesting you know if i had to pick something there's okay so this is it's not embarrassing but it's very on the brand i've already established for myself <laughs> i really like the decemberists um oh, okay and uh they have an album called hazards of love that came out right about when i was working on brimstone angels and it is not like like it's a it's a so it's like a story album mm -hmm. um obviously it doesn't have anything actual to do with brimstone angels <laughs> but the first time i listened to it i wasn't paying a lot of attention to the lyrics i was just listening to it and i was like this is the vibe um and that one has some really uh beautiful lines in it mm -hmm. um although the it's it is often a little um Precious sounds mean. There are times where obviously I feel I can feel Colin Malloy feeling a little delighted with himself and uh and I don't mind too much, yeah. but it's there. Yeah. Um well, uh, also he introduced me to the word deadfall incorrectly. That is not what that means. <laughs> Good to know. Um but yeah, um I, I in any other quick thoughts on 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 being lyrical or anything like that? I think 
I, I really think like like hammer let's hammer home like finding a a voice that feels natural mm-hmm. because yeah. if you are trying to make that voice happen it's gonna feel weird even yeah. if that means you're trying to be as workmanlike as possible as simple as possible if that's not your voice it's not your voice yeah um and you can, and so this is a thing I've experienced too, is that there are times when I will get in the groove and I will like write a metaphor and I'm like, Ooh, is that a lot? That feels like it might be a lot, mm. but you should just leave it because honestly, the ones where I go, is that a lot? People tend to, to really feel because it kind of, it was a connection that I made as I was writing those words and it flowed out of that. And it actually was like surprising and delightful. Um, but, but yeah, if you, when, when you sit and you force them to come out, sometimes they're they're not the right choice if you're asking yourself if it's too much it probably is i don't know but if you're asking yourself if you're asking yourself is it too much but i really kind of like it then do it there you go, there you go. yeah I, I and i will say the the thing about uh suddenly being like poetic and lyrical with your prose is if the rest of them isn't like that that one stands out it, oh, yeah. no matter what so if it's not great it'll stand out extra <laughs> This is also yeah. a nice pivot to the other topic, which is like if you put a lot, if you put a lot of polish on something or a lot of like, uh, if it's very different, like mm-hmm. it does draw a lot of attention to itself, which can be a tool, right? If you're like, look at this thing, feel this feeling, that's a great use for a weird metaphor. Um, but if you're like trying to just like vaguely describe the landscape and you drop in, you know, a metaphor that compares it to something really. Incongruous. <laughs> Boobly breasting. <laughs> You're like the mountain stands out like B. Dave's nipple peeking out of his shirt. <laughs> Nobody's gonna be able to stop thinking about the mountain. So when you turn away. When you turn Hi. away and you're like, and then the king, you're like, fuck no, go back to the mountain. High, firm, and casting long, deep shadows. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh let's let's get into our main topic uh which is descriptions, which yeah, this one does uh segue pretty well into um like I kind of want to start like topic. Huh? <laughs> that's like kind of a big broad topic. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah, that... well, it both is and isn't though. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, like I have very specific thoughts, but I mean they're fairly succinct. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, we've talked about this before in the past. That let me say more generally, and then and then more specifically. Mm-hmm. Generally. Uh, I think your description is supposed to work to set the scene for something in someone's mind so they visualize it. And then you don't get hung into a lot of details unless they're relevant details. That's literally what Chekhov's gun is. Yep. You mention a gun on the wall, someone has to get shot, you know? So <laughs> you could be like, it's a hunter's paradise. Okay. The moment you're like a 1911 mouser gleamed polished in the case, <laughs> you're like, oh, somebody's got to get shot then. Yeah. And if you get to the end, you're going to be like, why were you talking about the gun if nobody got shot? Yeah. You know? um, my style of doing it, as I've mentioned it, especially this comes out when I'm telling the stories live and in, in, uh, uh, playing uh, tabletop games, but it happens in writing also, is I'll just say something like, she was the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. And that means something different to everybody. The moment you're like, she looks just like Aaron M. Evans, everybody agrees objectively, yes, that is a thing. 
But otherwise, you know, it's somebody's going to fill it in with something else. Or you're going to break it when you say like, oh, she's this. And it's like, well, that's not my jam. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'll, I'll describe a scene like, you know, chaos and carnage was strewn across the walls as they saw the remnants of the battlefield or something. You know what I mean? Like, not like. The room was 10 by 20. <laughs> Stained with blood and viscera. Exactly three paces to the left was one human eyeball. Four paces to the right, a broken femur. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I think that is a good reason to talk about, though, is just, like, where do you draw the line on? Because there's definitely been authors who I've read that I didn't get enough description at all to be like i don't really know what the hell is going on like Mm -hmm. there's been there's been books that i've read where at the end of the chapter they'll say something about where they were and i'm like oh oh i didn't oh i thought we were like in a kitchen we're in a science lab what (laughs) (laughs) and that that that's uh that's not great that's not great for me (laughs) i think one of the things with with description is making sure that you put the weight of the narrative on the right bits because what you're talking about where you come to the end and you're like where the fuck were we um i've found a lot of times reading um unfinished man like manuscripts that are in process like what's happened is there that description is in there somewhere however it's buried like in the middle of a paragraph and it didn't stick and so making description uh, putting putting description into the story in a way that stands out enough that you grab onto it and you go, ah, we are in a science lab is, is really important. And some of that is structural, right? You pay more attention to the thing that's at the beginning of a chapter or not the beginning of a chapter, beginning of a paragraph. Um, you pay more attention to things that are incongruous. Um, you pay more attention to things that get more time. And so using any of those can make sure that a detail really stands out. And if you choose the right detail, you don't need to get into a lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. If you say like, there's an, you know, she looked down and saw an eyeball 18 inches from her foot. Don't say 18 inches. She saw an (laughs) eyeball close enough to pick up. Yeah. I know that shit is gross in there and Mm -hmm. violent. And um, I don't want to clean it up. (laughs) um you've chosen the detail that's gonna stick but if you go and describe like you know every body part in there and its proximity to each other that's too much information Mm -hmm. and then you have diminishing returns and eventually i'm actually bored of dismembered body parts (laughs) and the other thing in my experience is like i really prefer a description that is grounded in the point of view Mm-hmm. So stuff like I always feel weird when you give me specific when people give me specific measurements. Like I don't know what a dude who's six two looks like. <laughs> I know a dude is tallish. Yeah, but not as tall as B Dave. Yeah, like and so telling me like B Dave saying I'm as big as the door. Yeah. If you said a man walks in and he's as big as the door, I form a picture. I don't remember how tall B Dave is in numbers, and it doesn't really mean anything. What's funny to me. is I'm exact like, same way. I, I always just always the, the size door. of the door, right? Like that's so a it. thing. Yeah, I can picture it. That's why I always get irritated with uh, with some fantasy novels. It's like he was three stones. I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck that means. I have not a clue what that means. 
sure, I guess. <laughs> like things that you, especially if you can do things like that and attach them to, to stuff that helps. This is another thing is like, you can make description pull weight on lots of stuff, right? So, okay, B. Dave is now a character in my sci-fi novel, right? Mm-hmm. And I say he's, he's uh, you know, I've established that there are these things and they're, they're big, they're, what do we call them? Jujubaras. Oh. <laughs> Jujubaras, right? <laughs> and I say he's taller than, he's, he's taller by far than the average man. He's almost as tall as a Jujubara. Now, I don't know exactly how tall B. Dave is from that sentence, but I do know, one, he's pretty dang big, and also a Jujubara is pretty dang big. Clearly, like, everybody knows that about the Jujubara. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up, casuals. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, the the that sort of thing, like, because I, I know, especially like when I started writing, I definitely did over describe things. And that probably did come from a place of a few of those books that didn't have enough description getting me in trouble in school for not being able to describe the main character because they didn't fucking describe the main character. Um, it's whoever you think it is. <laughs> Such a yeah yeah uh, well actually that that that's actually a, a nice little, little little tangent that's connected describing your main character because there's always the trope of they woke up and looked into a mirror and they described themselves looking into the mm-hmm. mirror yeah and people are very reactive to that like mm-hmm. it is it, it always it does it does draw attention to itself right yeah. it's very tropey you're like ah i see we're at that point <laughs> um frequently you don't have to get into the i mean first of all like for any given person you do not need to describe all the things there's this tendency sometimes for sorry i'm like talking a ton sorry. oh no i'm here for <laughs> no, that's good though. that's yeah, what the people are here it. for literally hey! literally they, what the they fans subscribe for this uh the that there's i think a tendency to like micromanage your reader experience right like you want to make sure and this is what b dave was talking about like if you want to know that you want to establish that this woman is extraordinarily beautiful you can just say she was the most beautiful woman you've ever seen mm-hmm. right you might pick a detail that is like slightly incongruous to be like like you know oh she has like this mole like right on the corner of her of her mouth that makes you look at her mouth or something like you can pick a detail to add on to it but if you're like and she has green eyes and her eyelashes are thick yep. but not long thick. and her yep. nose is shaped like this and her mm-hmm. skin is exactly this but not this and her hair color is this and the texture is like this and her ears are this shape and she's this tall and her bra size is this like you've gone too mm-hmm. far. her social like, security number <laughs> yeah. none of that it's, was important yeah yeah especially because you always can get away with things too with like her eyes glim- glimmered with mischief you yeah. know yeah you know or 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 she looked around taking in every detail you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and like it's worth like i think for especially for for like like written fiction like novels short stories and that sort of thing it's worth adding enough details that make your reader create a picture but again like you're not going to get the same picture that's in your head just let go of it it's not gonna happen (coughs) yeah and that's okay right like you're trying to create an experience yeah um but when you get to the main character it does get tricky because most of us don't think about what we look like particularly Mm -hmm. so there is this little dance of like either if you have multiple point of view that means someone else can say what they look like 
the mirror trick is is a thing i'm not it saying i've thing. never done it yeah. i have done it yeah um but yeah don't do it just for describing like you, you need a reason to be looking in the mirror you could do what i do and just have uh brimstone angels they're identical twins so I- mm. <laughs> it's a good cheat <laughs> every you know th- th- there's lots of ways to game that you know what i mean it's all like you have someone say you look just like your father you've got his green eyes yeah you know somewhere yep. along the way be like everybody knows redheads have no souls look at how pale you are you've been living in a basement <laughs> and there you know are I mean? some of our listeners <laughs> They, those soulless bastards already know. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I the one that just told you that you're the spawn of the netherworld and should not be? Oh, sorry. Also, have a thing for redheads. So yeah. Um. No, Is the, it because they don't have souls? I mean, <laughs> you can't pour into an empty vessel. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? They're like a hot blank canvas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the 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 I I've definitely done the 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 mirror trick before. Um, like the 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 draft of the book that I sent Aaron. I'm like, I hate the way that I described the main character in that. I know it's bad, but I was like, I need to do something. Fuck it, whatever. Um, but yeah, I I like I I almost am fine with it, even just being in passing. Like I I do think that we that most authors put a little too much on the it i need to describe the character in an interesting way i'm like you could just do it in like a panel or like a paragraph as they're walking around like screw it whatever in uh luther the bbc show it was um uh, a novel novel series first mm-hmm. um and i um the author is eluding me right now he neil cross neil cross is incredible um and he describes luther as a big man with a big walk and he's like in his head he's like i always meant idris elba when they cast him people were like that's not who i saw and he's like bitch all i said was a big man with a big walk you know anything else you brought to this not me uh yeah and to to be fair like i know that this this is one of those things where it's like okay it's probably never going to happen but it's still like a thing to keep your mind one of the things that i find when people like over describe their main character like talking about the mole that they have on their face or something like that if the mole's not important uh, you've now just shrunk down the cast if your book ever gets optioned <laughs> because people are like, yeah. why don't they have people, the mole people don't give a shit about that like <laughs> also yeah. like I'm, I'm gonna say right now like like i would not write my book with an eye to no, no, it off. No, I, I, <laughs> I know, but the, that's what that's what I think of every time somebody like super over describes the character. Yeah. yeah, and to be clear, when I said the mole, I mean like pick that, yeah. right? Like don't get into the weeds, but yeah. pick the one thing. Um, yeah. To make sure that we know that one. Is this person not that person? <laughs> Which also like, you know, if you're gonna say she's the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, you get one of those. You don't get to have three most yeah. beautiful women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're like the other most beautiful. Saying things about your point of view character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless it's pivotal to the character that they're flighty and, you know, inconsistent so, like, and fall in love easily. Every woman is beautiful, yeah. but I don't actually notice any specific. <laughs> True. I, I do know down. she was beautiful, though. That's I do know she breasted boobily down the stairs. She absolutely <laughs> boobily breasted and titted her way across the floor. <laughs> 
Sorry, on the off chance you didn't hear our our sex scenes episode. <laughs> yeah, you I swear, there's a context. First of all, yeah, I mean, how? I mean, I'm glad I mean, we're stop we're, right now. Pause <laughs> this. Go back. I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we're 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 getting high high listens in the puritanical community. I am. <laughs> but saying there's lots of sex in the Bible too, so maybe go back and listen to the the sex scenes episode, and you will know why we're talking about boobily breasted and titty girls. <laughs> And just, I really enjoyed like Rhiannon brought like this very intelligent and thorough view. Like she really broke it down and to a bunch of twelve year olds in the back. (laughs) To my credit, to my credit, I kept every nice. That's what she said in giggle like a toddler to myself. I did. I kept it in my heart box. It, it was a shame that we didn't do a video for that one. It was a shame <laughs> we didn't do a video for that one. Um, but no, the, go, I want I want to go back a little bit to to the the thing that B Dave's brought up and something that we've brought up several times in the show. Chekhov's gun. Um, I I'm not going to name the film, but I saw a film recently where they did. Oh no, it's two different films. They did Chekhov's gun like three or four times across those two movies, but then never interacted with it. Like I mean, someone someone dropped an item and the camera focused on that and nothing ever happened with it. Suicide Squad so leaned into it oh when Harley's God. fighting that dude and she like busts through a case and a gold gem encrusted gun hits the floor. And I was like, oh, okay, I know what's about they to happen well here. They had Chekhov yeah. engraved in the hand. Literally, literally. You're like, I didn't even know Chekhov was a type of gun. Okay, makes sense though, logical. Yeah. yeah. But so so but besides because that that description eh, uh, has like kind of a wider thing about it of just like mm-hmm. you can't use something unless it's been described. Yeah, it, it sort of it goes two ways, right? If you have a gun in the first act, it should go off by the third act. Yeah. If the gun goes off in the third act, you should have established it in the first act. Yeah. Um, don't have thing. Don't have a Deus Ex Machina coming out of nowhere to be super important. Um, because to your reader, that feels like, uh, it feels less like a surprise. It feels more like a haha, fuck you. Yeah. Um, and sorry, <laughs> something is supposed to be simultaneously surprising yet inevitable. That right there. <laughs> Go back to your coughing fit. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> Remember me as I was. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, the continuity of having things in places is like do you are you thinking about that while you're outlining or is that while you are writing it for the description uh, like do you like do you ever put in your outline like oh this has um, got to show up here for usually later. for me if i know the guy's gonna get shot i will describe the gun if i get to the end and they're shot and i realize i haven't described a gun sometimes i will come back yeah that one but I have a friend that I've co-written with on occasion, and he massively overcomplicates this. I've mentioned before, but he'll just try and include every possible course of action that people could not take. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah. wants to answer in the story why they did not. Yeah. You know, that it's like, uh, um, you know, nobody's got cell reception and every single person has to, and we have to make sure each person hits call and can't, you know? I'm like, bro. In the year 2022, it's reasonable that you're like, there's an axe murderer. Call the cops. You yeah. can't. You know, no signal. Yeah. You've addressed it. 
You know what I mean? Like uh, anybody that is so pedantic that's like, well, which cellular network are they on? Because maybe one of their friends, blah, 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 blah. Fuck it. You know? They're on cricket. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't pay the bill because they broke yeah. and about to get killed. That's um, a good point. There's, I mean, yeah. do your due diligence, but at some point, it's not for mm -hmm. you, baby doll. Put the mm -hmm. book down or the movie. Or the movie. Yep. Yep. The, um, yeah, I think that the thing you mentioned about like the camera zooming in on it, like in a novel, like that's the the detail that gets extra time. Like mm -hmm. I get extra description on it. Or if it's set apart from things, if we're like walking through a room and there's lots of stuff, but we stop and describe this one thing, that one thing better matter. Otherwise yeah. it was masturbatory. Yeah. Um, However, and, and, and again, like if you're walking through a room and one of those things matters, you better describe it. Um, you can see some seat, like some of that can be scene setting because you're trying to kind of create yeah. the, the experience and the setting. Um, but you'll know, right. When it's important that we, that we sit and focus on it for a minute. Like we make sure we show a scene with that thing. We make sure mm -hmm. that if this if this magic power is going to matter later, it triggers earlier. Yeah. And we go, oh, good thing it didn't blow up the world because later it's got to blow up the world. Mm -hmm. And you can't just at the last minute go, guess what blows up the world, guys? That's not yeah. satisfying. The, so how how do you go about hiding that though because there you know if you're you're walking through and it's like there's a vase uh there's a there's a statue there's a thing and then you very much describe one thing mm -hmm. like that is kind of specifically spotlighting it and calling it out what is the line to kind of walk on that where you're not just being like huh hey you better remember that personally <laughs> i would describe more than one thing mm. that's how i'd kind of smuggle it in mm -hmm. you know i would I, Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say I mentioned the Maltese Falcon and also the Baltese Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to be yeah. clear, like I said, like you can do some scene setting, but this is the other thing is like don't fret about that too much. Okay. Because honestly, like people expect that sort of like setup and payoff. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they know they're supposed to remember this thing for later is is a, a tool in, in your toolbox, right? Like they're not going to know why it matters necessarily. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like the more obvious this is, the less weight you need to set on it. Cause they're in gonna case remember. of vampires break glass and right? there's a steak there. You <laughs> You're like, this is the only steak that can kill vampires. It's a good thing there's no vampires around. We all know vampires are around. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Otherwise, what the fuck was that? Right. And so you, you you maybe don't need like like that's that's a thing to calibrate. Like how how weird is this thing? How specific is this thing? It doesn't necessarily need as much weight on it because um, the example I'm thinking of is from freaking Harry Potter. And I <laughs> like I, this example, I mean, she sold a I couple copies, so have yeah. at it, you know? Well, it's from, it's from, so I'm reading this with my son, which involves lots of stopping and having conversations about social issues um, because he really wants to read it, but also there's a lot of terrible stuff in there. But anyway, mm -hmm. so they're going, it's Order of the Phoenix, which. Oh God, the only one I didn't finish. I have never, uh, yeah, he's like, I'm, he's like it's not it's not good but we want to be done um so anyway they're in like the 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 ministry of magic being i'm sorry being stupid he's being stupid yeah um 
but they're like walking through and they see this weird bell jar. There's like uh, an egg, right? And the egg goes like is looping as it comes up, it turns into a hummingbird and then it falls and the hummingbird like shrinks back into an egg, right? So there's this like weird time loop kept in here. And we stop and we look at it, right? Um, there's lots of weird stuff we've looked at. Every weird thing we look at in this process is going to matter later. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we don't know how. Like how does a time looping hummingbird bell jar affect anything we're going to do Mm -hmm. well later spoiler alert i'll just do it for you and you don't have to read it um a death eater shows up and they push his head in there and then his head turns into a baby uh but you could not have guessed (laughs) that about that you could not have guessed that from loopy timebird yeah um you know there's like the there's like a tank full of brains and then (laughs) So Ron decides to grab a brain and it comes out of him. I don't know what this is. This seems yeah. unnecessary complication, but it matters later. But when you see a tank full of brains, you're like, what the fuck is that going to be yeah. about? And you know, when you see them, I mean, honestly, I, at that point I was more, I hoped when I saw them that they were going to matter because at that point there's a lot of extra details happening. Um, but you know, when you see them, it's going to matter, but you don't know what the hell that thing does. Yeah. You don't know why it's going to matter. So like the fact that, you know, we're walking through this room and there's like, oh, there's lots of clocks. There's lots of weird clocks in this room. Also, there's a bell jar and there's a hummingbird in it and the egg and the hummingbird and it's looping and it's looping and we really want to stare at it. We can't stare at it because we have to save serious. Like the fact we sat and looked at that for a minute, it's like, okay, that's coming back. Yeah. but I don't know how. Right. <clears throat> and so similarly, like when you get a lot of weight on something and you know, it's going to matter, you don't necessarily know how, if it's obvious, how maybe a little less weight. Right. Or maybe you need to change the way we encounter that so that it matters to that moment, that scene. And we think, ah, it's paid off. Um, if you want it to be a surprise. Uh, but a lot of this is about like your reader understands how a book works. Your viewer understands how a movie works. So they know these rules, even if they don't know how to articulate them, they have this expectation mm-hmm. of there's a setup, there's a payoff. Um, yeah. and if you break that, if you break that deal, that's when they get pissed. Um, <laughs> if you make that deal stupid, that's when they get pissed. Yeah. Um, there, there's a movie I watched recently, but it's been long enough that I don't know that I can, I can articulate well my irritation with the payoff, the, the setup payoff, the broken setup payoff. But mm-hmm. Um, but suffice it to say, I'm like, you're not saying what you think you're saying. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much, uh, because, because of that, um, and get yourself beta readers. So beta readers are like, I knew this was coming and I spent the whole book because that happens sometimes. I read a book once, um, it was Peter and Max by Bill Willingham which also has the issue of not enough description because he Mm -hmm. writes comics. And so there's a lot of like skipping Um, over the description that strikes me as probably you don't have to worry about this as much because you've got an artist who's pulling that weight, but no, but okay. Interesting. (laughs) But yeah, like it was, it was weird to me because it was like, it's a lot of dialogue and very sparse description. But anyway, the very beginning, I'm going to spoil this book. So skip, skip ahead and plug your ears if you want to read it. So it's fairy tales, right? The beginning of the book, there's two brothers. One of them gets the family flute, Frost. But here's the thing about Frost. Its mouthpiece is razor sharp, so it cuts the corners of your mouth when you play it, but it's magic, so it's cool. And I'm like, cool, someone gets stabbed with that. Best say the other brother. Spent the whole fucking book waiting for the brother to get stabbed with that. 
whole fucking book. I'm like, when are you going to stab him? When are you going to stab him? And then finally he stabbed him. I'm like, good, I can be done with this. <laughs> like, there's a point of setup where it's so, the payoff is so obvious yeah. that it's really, it just gets, it does kind of get under your skin, but it's not common. Like, that book is a very specific example that I've had in my pocket for like a decade. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot. Most of the time you do the setup, you do the payoff, and it's satisfying, even if you kind of know it's coming. Yeah. Uh, BW, it looked like you had something there for that. No, I was going to say again, uh, simultaneously inevitable, but surprising. Yeah. You know, that you're like, this is what had to happen, but I didn't see it coming, or at least didn't see it coming like that. Yeah. Which, I mean, even something so simple as slightly delaying it mm-hmm. can help. You're worried somebody's like, surely reinforcements will show up right here. And you're like, nope. And they're like, oh, no. Yeah, because they're over here. Duh. You know, and then you can kind of double dip. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, one of the other areas of this that I, I wanted to bring up was setting description. Because I, I did talk about that. It was like, wait, you were in a, a lab? I thought you were in a kitchen. So what what do you feel like is a good amount of description for the setting that you're in? And if you go back to there, does there need to be any description at all? Or can you just say, we went back to that place? I get in trouble for this because I never have enough setting description. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the extent. That's a, that's I obviously extent. don't know how to do it. I have to go back and add it in. <laughs> Again, your style may vary, but a lot of it is about just painting the scene in the viewer's mind and how important you want them to be. Uh, to to the, the description that ex- them seeing exactly what you're seeing is, you know, mm-hmm. if you are like, it was a swamp that was green and gray with an oppressive sense of hopelessness. Okay, no. you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah. right. Like if if I'm gonna like the describe the height of each individual stink blossom on the bushes there <laughs> then, you know, so be it yeah um so similar to all description i think that's kind of the same so what is allowing you to paint the picture the most and call out the details that are going to be important the most mm-hmm. um i mean again uh george r. r martin is dead to me and i want you guys to know i haven't said that in like four episodes it's, it's true stuff. it's been a bit we've been worried about you <laughs> no He's still dead to me, though. I mean, I forgave, I forgave fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I did not forgive George R. R. Martin. Um, that was one of the things that kind of put him on the map, though, was how he would describe the banquets and the food, yeah. and it was like a fan historical, and that was so, so like. I remember yeah. being at a bookstore once, and someone was thinking about reading those books. I was like, I'm just worried they're too gory. Like, like, do you think I'll be able to handle this? I'm like, just don't read it while you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the hound literally got into that fight that ultimately got him nearly killed over those hands. Remember, yeah. that's 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 what he fought them over was chicken, chicken. Yeah, no. Um, ultimately, I mean, again, back, but honestly, the thing, one of the things that made him dead to me was when the show started, when they were able to cut out so many characters and so many plots. Yeah, I was like, then those things are superfluous to the ending, mm-hmm. which. At the time, I wasn't aware he was never going to write, but was beginning to suspect. So if why did I spend years waiting for and read thousands of pages of truly superfluous not, uh, narrative? Mm-hmm. That was the, that's why he's dead to me and having not finished. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I'm like, welcome, new friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. hope never dies. Because yeah. you wanted to learn how to write a sex scene and you stayed. I mean, <laughs> that's what? It's true. I mean, but there's been a lot of nipples on the voice call, though. Like, I'm not even going to tell you who's. <laughs> just, just, oh, just a lot. Exactly. Just saying we'd get banned on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> Twitter and Twitch. Yeah. The one thing I would say is, um, so I said I get I get told to do to add more. The thing that I get told to add, because I do a lot of setting, like micro setting, right? Like, what's in front of this character? What are they dealing yeah. with? What are they touching? Um, you know, what's, what's this environment? And they're like, what about everything else? Uh, the, the sort of atmospheric ambiance kind of description is the thing that is not my first go-to. So there's like two layers there, like fitting in, um, you know, what is the, what is the room and the feast and, and all of that stuff and pulling out of your point of view a little bit to give your reader a grand kind of scope. Um, and then, you know, pulling down and what's on the plate and what am I about to put in my mouth and why am I going to punch people over hands? I didn't read that. Part. <laughs> uh, I don't know what happened, but it sounds honestly, I'm not going to lie. You described that. And I was like, damn, that must have been good. Shit. <laughs> 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 and I, I, my mouth watered. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, for, for, for setting description, I, I always find that like for, for at least for me, like I either do too much or too little. Mm-hmm. Like I've been running over scenes in my head from from the most recent book and I'm like, oh, I barely ever described that place and I have an entire shootout in there later. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so like that that kind of brings me back to it like like in that scene because I ha- I have them go there once and then they're back there later do do you think that like describing the it's a diner like do you think describing the layout of the diner is important to set up for later or is that just something it's like everybody knows what a diner looks like well it's the i mean okay is the fact that the protagonist later is going to jump over the malt machine into the the quick release the the chef's reception window where you put through the orders and grab the fry oil and I'm not going to lie, that almost exactly happens. I I mean, I know you by now. I sense things. So, again, back to Chekhov's gun. If some feature of the place is important, Mm -hmm. then that feature must be described. Yeah. But if you walk in and you say the diner was like a capsule from 1957, all gleaming stainless steel and white tile, Mm -hmm. done. I got it. You know what I mean? But later, if you were like, but the vintage jukebox had the secret <laughs> copy of the Constitution in it, you'd be, be like, but you, excuse me, but there was, I didn't, I mean, I didn't. Wind it back. You, right, but you didn't, you know what I mean? I really want to know how there the Constitution go. got into this jukebox. <laughs> you better, you better fucking tale. read the book, right? right? <laughs> Get on it. I gotcha. That's how I gotcha. Yeah. That's the title of the book, How the Constitution of the United States Ended Up in the Jukebox by B. Dave I mean, Walters. <laughs> I'd move units. I'd move units. <laughs> okay, well, we we're 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 getting into the, the, the later half of the show. Um that that was kind of all the points that I really had about it of just like the, the balancing act that it is. Because mm-hmm. I do find that description kind of is a balancing act of like what to do and what not to do and what's yeah. too much and what to uh, what isn't. 
I would also say consider your genre um, mm. because different genres have different expectations for how much description. Um, if you're writing in a contemporary genre, whether that's like contemporary fantasy or like, you know, contemporary romance or like, you know, women's fiction, um, <laughs> oh, then you don't have to explain what France is. You don't yeah. have to tell me what a hamburger is. It's where coneheads come from, France. <laughs> we come from France. Oh we, we come from France. We come from France. So, like, there's maintain a low tones with me. <laughs> maintain low tones. Damn it! I want to watch that movie so bad right now. <laughs> if you're writing a secondary fantasy novel and you want to explain the Juju Baro feast, I need more detail because I don't mm-hmm. know what that is. Yeah, but yeah. B Dave killed it. Um. <laughs> So, you know, keeping in mind that sort of thing. And the other thing being like, if you're writing, you know, science fiction or secondary world fantasy, like your reader wants a little more immersion. They want more setting details. Um, So you have not only more space, but more expectation for it. Um, If you're writing a romance novel, that's not what they're here for. (laughs) Uh, Cover that last Mm -hmm. If you're writing a literary novel, they are here for it. And we go back to the previous question. Your language better be top notch mm. uh, because they're here for that too. Yeah. Um, so that's a big thing. Like just kind of consider what you're writing. Read in your genre and read widely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that a thing out of curiosity for like, if you're, if you're making, you're writing scripts, if you're like thinking about movies, do they, it, is it more important that you, um, study movies in that sort of genre and style or is it the same kind of thing where they say like you should be watching everything you should be looking at things that are not it so you can take inspiration um that is an excellent question there's except for save the cat which honestly is the single greatest book on storytelling (laughs) i've ever read Mm -hmm. even applying to novels there there is a save the cat writes a novel book Mm -hmm. I mean, you could do it, but I mean, you can get it from the original. I, I bought both, um, but there's. I mean, we've been through that. Yeah. Um. To to your point, Aaron. No, it it's. I mean, outside of I mean, Save the Cat is a certain kind of very common formula, mm-hmm. but it's not. By page twenty, the monster you know must have kidnapped the girl. You know, yeah. like, like genre convention isn't that. Genre convention seems to come up things more like the premise, the tone, and the execution, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much um, in, in an action movie, you must have had the gunfight by here type yeah. thing, like yeah. like some other genres might no. require, if that makes sense. Yeah. How dare you sense. have it on page 48? It should be on oh. page 45. Dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I that's what, that's what movie critiques sound like. <laughs> I could imagine, like, you know, if you watch something that tells its story in a sort of non-linear fashion, that's something fresh you could take to yeah. a different kind of genre. It's, fun, it's or, funny that you bring that up because yeah. he hated Memento. Uh, the guy that Blake Snyder, the guy that wrote oh, Save the Cat, like oh, Memento right. was Memento. used as the anti-example multiple times in that book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that worked really well. The, like, the, I actually remember the experience of watching Memento and I'm, I'm not going to remember it. <laughs> No, it's it, like I, I was I was thinking about like okay, so like what what do I have that's similar to that? Because like yeah, when I when I want to write, uh, when I really wanted to get into writing fantasy novels, I read a bunch of fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. But like 
when I started doing these web comics, like I just went to the funny web comics that like I used to read when I was younger mm-hmm. and just kind of looked at the style of the joke. Like, yeah. it, it, like I'm writing a D and D funny <laughs> web comic, but like I will go and read the um, like least I can do and stuff like that, which is set in like modern day. Modern day, mm-hmm. it's a web comic. <laughs> um, I I I I hadn't thought about that uh, part of it in in other areas though. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know how this apply how well this applies to other media. Yeah, but I know like for novels like any given genre has certain conventions that are sort of expected of it and depending on the genre you can 100% steal from other genres by while still with while still holding on to the like fantasy tends to require a you need a pretty strong through line plot like you need to have a point mm-hmm. um and i mean obviously there's going to be counter examples but um and you need to have kind of a compelling sort of hook to it mm-hmm. but you can borrow sort of the expected structure like romance has a really strict structure there is like there's going to be a sex scene by chapter three um <laughs> kind of kind of set up doesn't, doesn't that strike you that as ironic mm-hmm. that the people actively writing about the process of falling in love about <laughs> romance about making love they're the ones that are the most regimented mm-hmm. that they're like, no, they got to be slapping skin by page. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if but, you're like, Conan's got to be fighting somebody by page 12. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I'm just imagining that... this old lady ages is like, nah, nah, they got to be slapping nah, nah, skin. Slapping skin. Okay. But like a romance novel can have basically anything for a setting, right? Yeah. Um, that's true i love actually genuinely i used to look at harlequin's catalog because oh they have God. everything grouped by I, it's just fascinating because it's I, like are you into firefighters there's firefighter subgenre are you into race car drivers there's a race car fighter are you into bonnet rippers which is amish romance novels that's <laughs> a subgenre for that um but but yeah so there's like a lot of flexibility in that but there's a sort of a structural expectation and so the way to tell a successful ro- to, to have a successful romance novel is to use that structure wisely right um because there is a lot of like we meet we are drawn together we get together oh no something drives us apart but then we come back together um and so using that that tension uh pattern wisely um what's the one i read recently the kiss quotient did a really good job oh that's a good one yeah um and it's a good example too of like because that because a lot of times if you're just like and to be clear like romance makes bank so even if i'm like sometimes they're shitty those authors are definitely outselling me um (laughs) like that split that like why do we come apart like it can get artificial. So, but if you tie it into their sort of internal arcs, like we have to solve our problems as individuals in order to be successful Mm -hmm. as a couple, like you can tell a really powerful story. Um, And so you can take that. And the thing about fantasy, because fantasy doesn't have a very, doesn't have a very strict structure other than there's a plot and you better pay attention to the plot. Mm -hmm. You can drop something like that into the plot um, without it causing a trouble. Empire of Exiles has a mystery novel structure mm-hmm. with fantasy shit on it, um, <laughs> which is 
uh i love it yeah i hope people will love it um but yeah like when i was trying to like make sure that my story was all kind of planned out right like that's what i went looked at it was like okay so here's where the detective makes the wrong call and here's where it goes here's where he realizes it went wrong um because that structure is really important for a mystery and your mystery readers have an expectation of how things are going to come at them, right? You need to have all the clues such that you could theoretically have put it all together yourself. But ideally, you don't put it together until like right before yeah. the detective puts it together. When you're talking about the romance novels, that made me <clears throat> think back to when I was working at Barnes and Noble and uh, I loved stalking the romance section Yeah, because you'd have like <laughs> one book that has like just the whitest couple on it with their like retreat golden retriever. It's snowing in a farmhouse in the back and the book directly next to it just has some sweaty shirtless dude with this ridiculous <laughs> sword. And it's like the burning passion of the dragon prince. I'm like, I fucking love this genre. It is the best. Oh, guys, <laughs> after this, let me tell you about the most bananas romance novel. <laughs> My friend Don sent me a copy of this because he told me about it and i said that can't possibly be <laughs> and he sent it to me he said he worked he works for a publisher so he sent me some like board books for my son and then this book <laughs> with the post-it notice it's real <laughs> i'm gonna look up i'm gonna look up what it is but i feel like this is this gets into like some some things non-podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they might need eardrums afterwards and again like that book bananas as it is probably outsold me by by tons yeah that's the other thing it hit like, somebody's somebody's wish list also those bubblegum romance novels like i i mean i know mul- i i know and have heard of multiple people that can consume three or four in like a oh, setting dude. it's one of those you know, like, we, we had a we had a customer at my barnes yeah. noble they would come in and buy like i think the most i saw her buy was 12 at a time and like and she would come in weekly wow yeah yeah it's wild um but uh, uh, yeah, that, was, that was a pretty good tangent. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, wrap this up because yeah. I want to hear Aaron's story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any any last thoughts on descriptions that anybody can think of? I mean, again, I would say, eh, what what is the outcome that you're after? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, um, is hopefully the only real outcome is to paint the picture in the reader's mind into or to get across at least important information that's going to be necessary later on. Uh, anything beyond that, again, masturbatory. <laughs> anything under that is not serving the narrative. So, yeah. yeah. I yeah. like that. Use your description to establish character and tone and, um, you know, plot, if possible. Like, it is it is there to do. It, it, it is a workhorse. It could do a lot of extra work. Um, and, yeah. Try, try, trust your gut. Try, try it out if you, if you have a, a fancy little bit of prose. <laughs> but also, you know, get get a beta reader or a yes. critique partner who will look at it and be like, "I did not understand what this meant." You made me just remember the one time that I did try to write a poem in one of my books, and I had uh, handed off my wife, and she went, "No, don't do that." 
Um, <laughs> it's okay if you can't write a poem. That's what you need. Okay. That's the kind of that's the kind of support. That's the kind of intervention you require. It really, really, it, it really was because yeah, no, it was it was, it was, it was real bad. Um, all right, uh, that is a good place to stop this episode. I know we haven't done our, our our word count in a little bit, but we're all like really busy right now, so we'll 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 get back to that. Remember, you can tweet us what your word count is and how you're doing on it uh, at uh, at about dragons on Twitter. But that is a good place to wrap up this episode. Friends, where can people find you and what awesome things you working on? You can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. You can, uh, you can add my book on Goodreads. Yeah, you can. Like officially now, Empire of Exiles comes out in November. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got copy edits back today, guys. Ooh. It's getting real. It's getting um, real. Uh, you can join me with these guys on twitch.tv slash CNE games. For Champions of Lore every Wednesdays at every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, where we talk about the lore behind Idol Champions of Forgotten Realms. You can watch me on twitch.tv slash Dungeon Scrawlers for Dungeon Scrawlers, an actual play show with a bunch of fancy writers playing DD in the Forgotten Realms. Um, and you can join me on Tuesdays for the next month or so on uh, Concentration Check, a cool writing space. So come join me and get some writing done. But also because it's on Tuesdays, because. Idol Champions Presents Court of the Raven Queen is yeah. on Mondays at four where I play Frida and B-Dave is the DM. And I'm the mod. <laughs> sure. You are there forever in our hearts, Tree Avor. <laughs> what about you, B-Dave? Where you at? Uh, Non-ironically, TV's B-Dave Walters, although we're in between seasons on Invitation to Party right now, though we're going to be back soon. I know when... And it's not that I don't want to tell you because the NDA. I don't want to tell you because then it might not be the time. So we're going to be back soon. Hard at work on it. Soon uh, TM. And also, soon TM. Uh, also on the Black Dice Society on D&D, Twitch, and YouTube. Invitation to party uh, is not currently, but will be again Fridays at 3. Black Dice Society, Thursdays at 3. And I'm making meaningful contact. Four. Oh, it is 4. <laughs> Correct. Uh, here to help you. <laughs> see, I was in the process of making meaningful eye contact with a camera that you can't see so much, so I got my own show's time wrong. <laughs> Why Trevor is the hero we need. Thank you. <laughs> Also, also enjoy boobily breasting. You... <laughs> I'm going to boobily breast my way into bed after this. Uh... Uh, I'm, I'm going to tit up for a while. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there, and you can find all of the way too many podcasts that I do. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, the best way to support the show is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. Again, you can do this now on Spotify, so please do it and leave five stars because you like us uh if you have any questions or topic suggestions you can send those into writing about dragons and shit at gmail.com and if you'd like to keep up with day on the show you can follow us on twitter at about dragons but until next week go write about some dragons and shit